right, our text today is Acts chapter 5. We invite you to turn with us. We're going to look at verses 17 through 26. We want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being in church today. If you are like me, I know your heart is very broken, very hurt by the events that have happened over the last 24 hours, really two terrible shootings in our nation, uh, first in El Paso in our own great state of Texas, and then uh, late last night in Dayton, Ohio, uh, outside a bar, nine people were shot and killed. So uh, we, uh, I do, I come this morning with a, with a broken heart for our nation. I know that our world needs Jesus so much. And so um, I know there are many, many people hurting and, and confused and looking for answers. And so I just want to stop before we go any further. Uh, we're going to look at a prison breakout here in just a minute with uh, Peter. Not just Peter and John, but all 12 of them are broken out of prison by an angel. We're going to read this great story. It's a powerful story. And I'm going to, by God's grace, going to preach this message. But before I do, I really want to join you because I know your hearts are, are heavy as mine is as well. And I want us to pray. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes and we just take a moment. You know, one of our core values at Great Hills Baptist Church is that we want to be consistent and fervent uh, in praying. So if you would just bow with me as we have a congregational prayer, a collective prayer. If you want to come to the altar and pray, that is absolutely fine if you so choose to do that or if you want to just stay where you are, where you're seated. We're praying for God's hedge protection around our sanctuary, around our children's ministry and preschool area. We're just praying that God would protect us and He would protect our, uh, our people here as we worship together today. So let's, let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you, Lord, in good times and bad, <clears throat> happy times or sad, that, Lord, you are still God, you're still good, you're in control. And you tell us in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. And so we thank you, Lord, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of heartache, both in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio, we're praying that, uh, God, we're, we're praising you. We're thanking you that you're a good God, that you're sovereign, that you're in control. And there are things beyond our control. Lord, there are things beyond our human limited rationale and thinking. But, God, you are unlimited. And so we are calling upon you, God, today, publicly, corporately, collectively as a church. We're asking you, oh, God, to bring healing, to bring hope, to please bring comfort to those families and those loved ones who their loved ones have passed from this earth into eternity, we pray that you'd comfort their hearts, O oh God. And for those many that are in hospitals today wounded, that, Lord, you'd bring healing to them. Bless those doctors and those nurses as they, as they provide care for our fallen uh, comrades, Lord, our fallen Americans. And, Lord, we're not Democrats or, Republics or Republicans or Independents. Lord, we're Americans. And, the Lord, we as Christians are even, we, we're even more united, Lord, because even before we're Americans, we're followers of Jesus. And so we're calling upon you, God, for your mercy and for your grace. Lord, we pray for a binding of evil. Lord, the only account that I could give that somebody would do something like that is to be absolutely possessed of demons and of the evil one. But Lord, we thank you that greater is he that is in us, that Jesus that lives within us is greater than the devil that lives within murderers. So we just thank you, Jesus, that you have set us free, that you've broken the chains and the uh, the jealousy, the racism, the, the wrath, the anger, the Lord, that you've broken those chains in our life, God, and you have set us free, and we're praying for our nation. Now, Lord, I pray for our nation, for revival, for awakening, God, that you would do what only you can do. Lord, do what you did in the book of Acts. Lord, move in such power, God, that it can only be attributed to you. So, Lord, thank you 
And we're here today and we get to worship you. Lord, thank you for the time of singing and worship and praise and fellowship and prayer now. And now, Lord, today as we study the Word of God, open our minds, open our hearts, that we can really absorb what you have preserved, Lord, through the years. Through the millennia of time, you have preserved your word so that, not that we could just read it and understand it, but Lord, I believe more importantly that we could apply it to our lives and that you could work powerfully in us. Bless our people here today at Great Hills. God, bless those that are single. Bless them, God, as they pursue you with purity and passion. Bless those who are married. Lord, bless those who are married with kids. Lord, we need you, God. We need your grace. We bless those who are married with kids and grandkids or great-grandkids. Lord, bless our people. And may we now enter into this time, Lord, of worshiping you with our minds and our hearts. We pray this, and we're trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me read to you Acts chapter 5. As uh, If you're new to Great Hills, and I know many, many people are, uh, we, we welcome you into our study. We welcome you into our fellowship. And one of our core values as a church is to study the Word of God, not only in our small groups, discipleship groups, connect groups, but also in our big group, in our worship service. So thank you for being here. And if you are a first-time guest, Ashley, my wife of 33 years, just the other day, she and I would love to meet you and greet you over here in the Welcome Center. And so that would be fantastic if you would just come out for just a minute. I know you're I know when you leave, you're hungry. I know you got one thing on your mind. You just got to go find something to eat. But if you'd just for a moment, just swing by and let us meet you and greet you, we would, we would be so, so honored. So we're in Acts chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse uh, 17. Here it goes. Then the high priest, it's probably Caiaphas, the same high priest before whom Jesus appeared just weeks before at his crucifixion, this high priest... He rose up, and all of those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. You say, now why were they so filled with anger and wrath and indignation? Well, as we noticed last time, uh, the apostles, they're out preaching at Solomon's portico at his porch. Thousands of people are there. A great movement of God of healing and and people that come out of the woodwork, I mean, they're coming out of the neighborhoods and the surrounding vicinities, and they're, they're coming into Jerusalem, and people are being healed, and demons are being cast out, and the Word of God is being preached, and multitudes of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. They're being baptized, and they're being assimilated into local churches, and it's just a mighty move of God, and everybody is loving it except the religious aristocracy. Those who are in charge, those who are large and in charge and proud and loud, and it's all about Jesus and it's all about the church. It's not about them, and so they're very angry about it. They're going to do something about it. So they come out and they lay their hands on the, notice the, the, the plural here, church. They laid their hands on the apostles, not just Peter and John. This would be Matthias, Bartholomew, this, Matthew. This is all the apostles. And they put them in the common prison. But at night, if you got chains, come on, he's a chain breaker. How many of y'all ever heard that song? How many of you are glad that you got to hear that song? Amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. That was great. Okay, I can, I can, those, those lights are, are, are killing me. Let me, let, me, let me quick. Let me just do this. Here we go. What verse are we all in? I can't see. Is it 19? Okay, verse 19. Here we go. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out <laughs> and said, go, stand 
and speak. Please look at verse 20, church. If you don't hear anything else today, memorize, understand verse 20. Go, present, active, imperative verb. Keep on going and keep on standing in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together, that is a code word for Sanhedrin, okay, with all the elders of the children of Israel. And they sent to the prison to have them brought. But oh my, my, they are in for a surprise. But when the officers came and they did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards, check this out, standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found nobody inside, all 12 who were incarcerated, all 12 who had been preaching and teaching the people, placed in the commoner's jail, and then a miraculous work of God, they are let out, and they're let out somehow, I don't know how God did it, but he let them out, and the doors closed behind them, and the guards never, ever knew it. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple, now, you got to understand who this guy is. The captain of the temple is second in command only to the high priest. Some, some people refer to him as the chief of police. He is large and in charge. He comes in and the chief priest, they hear these things and they wonder, what in the world could this be? What could the outcome be? So one came and told them saying, my translation, oh, you think that's bad? It gets even worse. Look, the men whom you put in prison, they're standing in the temple and they're teaching the people. Can you believe the audacity, the determination of those apostles to go back out to the very same place that they were just previously arrested? Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence. Why? Because they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. Wow, what a passage of Scripture. This text today that I get the privilege of teaching you on is the... The title of my message is Determination. I love this word, determination. There are a lot of adjectives or a lot of synonyms, excuse me, that you could supplant with the word determination. You could use the word perseverance. You, you could use the word fortitude. You could use that word uh, grit. And I like that word. I just finished Angela Duckworth's very fine book. If you're interested in a good read on persevering and pushing through hard times, and I would recommend her book to you. Uh, it's called Grit, the Power of Passion and Perseverance. But if you want a good biblical definition of what it means to not quit, to not be silent, to keep going forward no matter what the odds are, no matter what the enemy is, then I submit to you Exhibit A. These 12 men, these apostles, they are the embodiment of what it means to not quit or not to back up and to persevere and to have integrity, to have fortitude and to have good old fashioned grit about them. So I was looking at this text this week and I was, I was studying it and I was, 
and memorizing my manuscript. I don't know how y'all preach or how y'all teach your, your Bible studies, but I, uh, I treat it a lot like a research paper. I begin Monday and I start researching and writing, and then by Saturday, I go over it on Saturday mornings. And then, and then as I just begin this process, God just, He really began to infuse me uh, with, with His dynamism, His power. He began to encourage me that no matter how bad things get or no matter how you may feel the, the odds are squarely stacked against you, that when you go into the Word of God and you read the activity of God, you, you read the divine intervention of God and, and you read the stories and, and how those stories, they just, they just leap off of the page and, and their story now becomes my story as I'm infused with the same Holy Spirit and, and I stand before you and I speak the, word of, the words of this life, hallelujah, verse 20, that I'm also reminded that I'm not alone. You're not alone. That the Holy Spirit of God is within us and the angels of God surround us and, and guard the preaching of His Word. And that's what we get to do today. Another word it reminds me of is, is undaunted. I read Stephen Ambrose's book on William uh, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, the Lewis and Clark expedition. If you want a book on determination and grit and fortitude, man, read that book. Those are two of the most determined uh, Americans sold out, and I love the title of it, Undaunted Courage, not to be diminished, not to be swayed. So as I was studying, I asked the question, what? What are we going to do with this text? Well, we're going to study it, and we're going to engage with the text. And then I asked this question, so what? So what? So well, what kind of difference could this text make in your life and in my life? And here's what I'm hoping will happen. I'm praying that as I walk you through this, this text, and there are three couplets, that's going to be our, our outline. For example, there's going to be an arrest, and then there's going to be uh, a release. There's going to be uh, a commission by the angel, and then there's going to be this obedience by the apostles. And, and so that's how we're going to walk through. We're going to look at these three couplets, and so uh, at the end, we're going to look at just amazement. And what God does is amazing, and then we're going to finally look at how the disciples, how they just surrendered absolutely to the will of God. But here's what I'm hoping will happen. I'm hoping that as I'm preaching this word, and somebody said great preaching is when you hear another voice, and that's what I'm really happen, hoping today, that you hear the voice of the Spirit, and then when you leave today, you're infused with fortitude. And you're determined to have determination and, and undaunted courage and, and grit in what areas of your life? First of all, in your personal walk with God. Secondly, if you're married, that you are determined more than ever to have a robust, vibrant marriage. And if you have children, to not, you know, not dismiss them or, or, or not overlook them, but love them and raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If you're retired and, and you don't have that occupation anymore, that you would not, you know, fizzle out, but you would flame out and you would be determined. And all of us, there, there's some message for everybody in here today, this message of determination to not quit, to have grit, to have fortitude, to have perseverance, to have courage, to say, God, we're going to give you our very best, come what may. Okay, here we go. Let's look at the arrest and the deliverance. Let me, let me just walk you through this, this amazing text. We're going to back, back, get back up and go to verse 
uh, 16. I don't know why I'm having a hard time seeing. I don't know if it's the lights. Could y'all turn those lights down for just a, just a little bit? Not too much because I don't want to lose them. They'll go to sleep on me. But uh, just a, oh, thank you. That's blessed. Thank you so very much. All right, so verse 17, if you have your Bible, I would love for you just to look at it and study it with me today. The same group that arrested Peter and John in Acts 4.1 is at it again. In Acts 4.18 and Acts 4.21, the apostles were told, explicitly told, with no hesitation, that if you do this, if you go back out and preach in his name, if you talk about that Jesus one more time, I'm telling you, there's going to be a price to pay. And we're not going to let you out. We're going to inflict bodily harm upon you if you go out. And you preach in this name of Jesus. And I got to thinking about that. They were threatened within an inch of their life that if you go out and teach in his name anymore, and that's precisely what they did. Remember what Peter said in Acts 4? He said, you determine if this is right or not, but we think we ought to obey God rather than you, than man. And so that's what they did. They go out and they preach. And here comes the high priest. I believe it's Caiaphas. And a few years ago, the first time we went to Israel and some of you have gone on this trip, and I, I wonder if you went to Caiaphas's house. And we did that first time, and we literally, they lowered us down. We walked down these steps. They would lower Jesus probably with a rope into this dungeon, and that's where he spent the night before his trial. So he is there in the, in the dungeon, or really the night before he was crucified, because I already had a fake trial, a mock trial. And we went down, our group did, and we, we read Psalm 88, and we, and we sang, He is Lord. Right there in Caiaphas, the very house of Caiaphas, the very place where Jesus Christ himself descended. It reminds me of going to Rome just a few weeks ago, and we went to this place called the Maritonine Prison. And this is the place where they believe both Peter and Paul later both spent time in Rome, incarcerated. And I'll never forget, this was the highlight of the trip for me being in Rome. We go to this place, go to this house, and it really is to me a sacred place because two of our great heroes of the faith, both Peter and Paul, spent time in Rome, incarcerated in this very place. And we descended down the steps. And as we got to the end and we were looking around, and it, it looks just like you would imagine, like a prison, like a cellar, like a dungeon. And, and it's like we are looking around. All of a sudden, we hear these voices. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, am I hearing things? And I think, no, I'm not. There's a group of, of German believers who are on the second floor. We're on the bottom floor there, or the, excuse me, they're on the first floor. And we're listening to them sing these beautiful songs in harmony. And, and so I run back up there and sure enough, these, these Christians, they're in a, a, a theological school in Germany and they came right to the very place where Peter and Paul were incarcerated and they were singing praise to God. I thought, man, you know, God's got his people everywhere. And no matter how bad things get, or how difficult, and I really, my, my eyes just welled up with tears because I thought 2,000 years ago, Peter and Paul probably had no idea the difference that they were making. I mean, they were probably thinking, you know what, our lives are about to be stuffed out, but the gospel's going to go forward. But how could they have ever known that 2,000 years later, people from all over the world would come and celebrate the very place where they were incarcerated, and then we would just break out into jubilant praise. I, I tell you, if you get an opportunity to go to some of these biblical sites, if God so wills and allows you to do it, let me encourage you to do it because you'll read your Bible very differently if you're able to actually go and tangibly, empirically see the very sites 
that are talked about, like Jerusalem, like Rome. So here they are, the Sadducees. In fact, the Bible even mentions them by name. Did you see that? In verse uh, 16, it talks about, or 17, it, it says, and there they are, the sect of the Sadducees. You got the Essenes, you got the Zealots, you got the Pharisees, and you got these guys. These are what you'd be called the religious liberals of the day. They did not believe in the afterlife. They did not believe in angels or demons. They just certainly did not believe in resurrection from the dead. And so Caiaphas and the high priest, they are usually taken out of the sect of the Sadducees. And so here they are. And they are filled, the Bible says, they are filled with indignation. Another translation of that word could be jealousy. They are consumed with their position, with their power, with their authority, and they are getting very nervous because now it's not about them. In fact, now it's about the very person that they had crucified on a cross. And now there are these people claiming that he had been resurrected from the dead. And if you put your faith in him, he somehow supernaturally with his blood shed on that cross, if you will put your faith and trust in him, that he would cleanse you of all your sins and you would, you would give your allegiance and your devotion and your worship to him. And I'm telling you, it was celebratory. I mean, the people of God were thrilled and excited and the gospel's going forward and everybody's happy except the religious people. Man, that, does that sound familiar? Everybody's thrilled except those who are in charge and those who are losing power. Reminds me of John 11, 47 and 48, same thing, except this time it's Jesus. The chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered a council. Whenever you see that, that's code word for Sanhedrin. You said, yeah, Brother Danny, you mentioned that big fancy word a few minutes ago. What is that? Think of it like this. The Senate, the Congress, the uh, Supreme Court all rolled into one. That, that's who they were. They were the ruling religious political body in all of Jerusalem. Okay, that's who they are. Yes, they're under the umbrella of Rome, but Rome allows them to congregate. Rome allows them to do their, uh, their duties, but they don't want to do anything, you know, that would, might cause Rome to, you know, to come in and maybe sweep their power from them. So they're going to execute people. They're going to eliminate anybody that would threaten their power. And they said, what shall we do for this man, Jesus? He works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both. Now watch this. This is so insightful. This is the word of God. They will take our what, church? They will take our place. They will take our position. They will take our authority, and then they will even take our nation. And so they have eliminated Jesus, or they thought they had, and now they're ready to capture again these 12 apostles and eliminate them. The Sadducees remind me of Proverbs 27.4, where it says this, Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? In verse 18, not just Peter and John this time, but the whole band of apostles all 12 of them are arrested. Why? Why were they arrested? Why were they incarcerated? For simply doing what your pastor, your preacher is doing this today, is preaching the Word of God, the Word of life. And so they come and they are put in jail 
But verse 19 tells us that they are going to be delivered by an angel from heaven. Now, does anybody find that ironic? That the very high priest and the Sadducees who don't even believe in angels, God used the very thing they don't even believe exists to let his people go. They just like God to do that. I mean, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God to send an angel to let these people out of their incarceration. So here you see the sovereignty of God overriding the affairs of man. You know what? You and I, we may have our own arrest and deliverance. No, it may not be chains and bars and prisons and penitentiaries and jails, but that's not what that song was about a moment ago either. It was about sin and how it builds a cage around us. You ever, put, you ever been in the cage of bitterness? I'm telling you, those bars invisible, they're equally as powerful. You ever been put in the cage of jealousy? Have you ever been put in the cage of lust and greed and covetousness? Have you ever been just wrapped up like a, like a mummy encased in a tomb? Have you, ever, have you ever been in those situations and then all of a sudden, through the very power of God, I'm talking about through the in intervention of the blood of Jesus Christ, bam, you are set free. I mean, you're able to live and you're no longer conquered by lust and greed and covetousness and adultery and, and evil thoughts and jealousy, and you've been taken out. You were arrested, but glory to God, you've been delivered. Woo, man, what a, what a gospel. What a message. I love what Chuck Swindoll says. He said, Romans 8, 28 is still in the Bible. Yeah. Yes, it is. And all things work together for, for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So can I just camp out on the sovereignty of God for just a minute? We are safe in His keeping until He is ready to take us home. You and I can take comfort and gain courage from the delivering, protecting, sovereign power of God. We may think that we are in just a bad, terrible situation, but listen to me carefully now. Listen to me carefully. If you know God and God lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be okay. God is going to be with you. God is going to strengthen you. And listen to me, nothing can touch you unless it comes first through the hand of God. Amen. And then if God allows it, and you die, and I die, and we go to heaven, well, glory to God, we go to heaven. Not a bad deal. I mean, not a, not a bad deal at all. All right, let me move to number two. I'm, I'm think of these couplets with me, if you will. First of all, there's an arrest, and there's a deliverance. Secondly, there's a commission... And then there is a concomitant obedience. Watch this. A commission goes out. Go and do these three things. And then the disciples, I love this, they obey and they go and do these three things. You say, now what are those three things? Well, number, verse 20. Verse 20, the angel said to them. All right, boys, I'm about to break y'all out. Y'all ready for this? I can imagine some of them are like, what, what, what's happening? Oh, there's an angel. He's like, all right, guys, you, you're about to get out of here. And those those uh, guards, don't worry about them. Those doors are locked, don't worry about that. Because I'm about to do a mighty miracle, you're going to get out of here. But once you get out of here, here's what I want you to do. I do not want you to run home, get under the covers, and be petrified, and, and just be terrified, and, and horrified. Don't do that. Don't run. 
Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of jail. And when you get out of jail, I want you to go exactly back to the temple. And I want you to go to the temple and I want you to do these three things. Are you ready for this? Number one, I want you to go. All right, ready guys? Come on. Number, number, number two, I want you to speak. All right. Or excuse me. Two, I want you to stand. And then number three, I want you to speak. Man, guys, this is a timeless word for all generations of followers of Christ. And my argument today to you would be, if the apostles can do this, knowing that they will probably be arrested again, and they will probably, it's not going to go very well for them in the future, but if they still had the spiritual fortitude and obedience, what prevents us in America from doing the same thing? Probably not going to be incarcerated, at least not now. I mean, things can change very quickly, but for now, we can go in freedom. We can take a stand for the gospel, and then we can speak. So let's look at these three for, for just a minute. The first one is a present uh, middle imperative verb. And I, I give you this because not just because I spent three years of studying in Greek and uh, you know, somebody said, well, did you take Greek in school? I said, yeah. And they said, well, did you take baby Greek? And I was like, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean? They mean baby Greek is the introductory to Greek grammar. And I just thought it was like a baby. You stay up with it all night, amen, and you, and you study your Greek. But yes, I did. I studied all that just so that maybe I could share this word with you. A present tense verb is an ongoing, perpetual, don't stop kind of verb. Present tense, I want you to go and keep going. The middle voice is not like the active voice or the passive voice. The middle voice accentuates the subject of the verb. Now, now stay with me. You disciples, you apostles, I give you the command, you yourselves, us, the ones who have been put in jail, yes, you go. And so the middle voice here is action that they are to engage in. Now watch this, the imperative mood of command. He didn't give them a suggestion. He gave them a commandment. You go, and by the way, it's the same root word used in Matthew 28, 19. When the Bible says, go and make, anybody? Disciples. Same word in the Greek New Testament. So go. Number two, he says, now stand. I love this. This is a passive participle. It says, you yourself hold your ground. If you're taking notes, I would be writing this down. I mean, this, I hope this helps somebody. Not only can you translate it, hold your ground, but it could also be translated, stand your ground. Stand firm. Go and now stand. And by the way, to go and to stand would take tremendous faith, would take amazing courage. It would take a boatload of determination and fortitude and grit and perseverance, but that's what the whole sermon's about. It's God preserving this amazing story so that you and I, you and I in 2019 could go into the Word of God and study it and say that the same Holy Spirit of God inspired them to go stand and speak is the same Holy Spirit that's inspiring us today in Austin, Texas that where we can now go and we stand our ground. I mean, in the torrent and the avalanche of 
temptation, to immorality, and to compromise. No, we go in the name of Jesus and we stand our ground. And then what do we do? Praise God, we speak. We speak. You say, well, what do we speak? Well, thank you for asking. Because in verse 20, it says, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now we're back to the present, not middle voice, not passive voice, but now we're back to the active voice. Present active imperative. All right, you ready guys? Go and keep on speaking. The action, this is very active, all right? This is you, you are speaking and I'm gonna give you the command to go and speak all the words of this life. Now I'm gonna encapsulate for you, they would call this charismatic preaching. Uh, in fact, C.H. Uh, Dodd wrote a whole book on the charismatic didactic preaching of the apostles in the book of Acts. And what it is, it is a book on where they would go through and they would study the salient characteristics of the sermons preached in the book of Acts. And I just want to let you know, they're incredibly different from the sermons that are preached in the United States of America. Because the sermons that most of the time we get to hear in America is, I'm okay, you're okay, here are the 10 ways that we can have a conquering life, all right? Pop psychology, number one, good sociology, number two. And, and I was talking to a guy, he's the head uh, motivational speaker for all of Keller Williams. And he's a dear friend of mine, and we were eating lunch together uh, not long ago, and I was his pastor years ago in Virginia, and Andy, you know him, he's Rob Daniels, he's a, he's a firebrand. And so we were talking about preaching and, and he was sitting there with me at uh, Brio with Ashley and his wife, Darlene, and, and we were talking about preaching. He goes, Pastor, you're, 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 preaching the, you're preaching the Bible. And he says, I'm really glad you do because they don't need to hear what I do. They don't need to hear what I do. They need to hear what you do. He said, I go and I motivate people to be a good salesman. I motivate and I challenge people and I'm a, I'm a professional, uh, popular speaker. But my content is self-motivation. Your content is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. That's, that's what I get to preach. You say, is that why you always talk about the Bible? Is that why you're always preaching the word of God when I come to hear you on Sunday? Yeah, thank you very much. So here's what they did. Here's the charismatic, didactic, systematic preaching of the Word of God. When those 12 men, when they went down to Solomon's portico and thousands of people come to hear them, they did not say, I'm okay, you're okay. Let's go live a happy life today. No, this is what they said. They said there is a Messiah. He was prophesied of old 400 and something times in the old document, in the Old Testament, he was born of a virgin Mary. Can you see Peter and James and John? Can you see Matthew and Bartholomew? Can you see those apostles standing up there in the portico and say, and let me tell you his name. His name is Yeshua. He is Joshua. He is Jesus the Christ. And let me tell you what he did for you. He lived a perfect life. He healed many. He raised the dead. He was God's gift to us. He showed us he is the exact representation of the Father. When you looked upon Jesus, you looked upon the very face of God. And so he came and he lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. Amen. He was crucified. 
just a few weeks ago. He shed his blood, and by the way, many of you were there that day. We were there that day, and we were scared to death, and we all fled. We forsook him. But we're not forsaking him anymore. He died for you. He died for me. And there he was, suspended between heaven and earth, and he was crucified, and the royal blood in his veins were being poured out, and they dripped to the ground, and God looked upon that, and God's wrath was satisfied. It's called the propitiation. It's called God's wrath that was going to be poured out on you. Jesus said, no, Father, I'll take it, and let's let them go free. And let me tell you what happened next. They put him in a tomb. And on the third day, praise God, up from the grave, Jesus Christ arose from the dead. And then, and then he appears to us. We were there. We were at the seashore. And Peter's probably preaching at this point saying, and I had forsaken him and I denied him. And he came and he very gently restored me back to my faith. And here I am preaching his word. And then for 40 days. He preached, Acts 1-3, the kingdom of God. And then we saw him ascend into heaven. Oh, oh, y'all listen to me. Before he ascended into heaven, he told us this, go and make disciples. Go and preach the word. So here we are today, and we're preaching the word of God to you. This is the truth of God. How many of you will receive it? And thousands did. When the Bible says they preached the words of life, that's what they preached. They preach the gospel. And I just want to go on record to say, if the gospel was good enough for Peter and James and John, it's absolutely good enough for me. And that's what changes lives. That's what breaks prison bars of jealousy and adultery and murder and envy. I've yet to see one of these crazy killers in our land who has a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. This, you never meet of a shooter, an active shooter who is an active member of a, of a Bible-believing church, and that person loves Jesus with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's why I say our nation needs God. We need Jesus. He's our only hope. He is our only hope. Listen. If one more political pundit stands up and says something about, well, they, you know, they've got mental illness, of course they got mental illness. And they also have demons and have evil. But you know what? I would have demons. My demon would be alcoholism. Can I just tell you all that? I, I'm, I'm telling you. That's why I'm afraid of liquor, liquor, because I know I will really like it. You don't need a drunk preacher, by the way. I'm just, just saying that. But I would be consumed with that demon because my dad was, a lot of my family is, married and divorced. That would be me. No 33 years of marriage. No, no, no. No. I would be divorced about five times now. I would be a drunk. I would probably be successful because I'm going to work hard. Whatever I do, I'm going to make a lot of money in that life. <laughs> and then I would be so empty. Praise God. Somebody told me if there is a heavenly Father who loves you, He loves you so much that He gave His Son. If you'd believe in Him, Denny, 
you turn from your sins, He will forgive you. He'll have mercy on you, and God will do amazing things in your life. And let me just say, He has. And I'm just praising God for delivering me. How could I not preach His name? How could I not share the gospel in light of all He's done for me? You say, well, I'm good with the going, and I'm good with the standing. I'm just not real good with the speaking. Can I, can I just create something for you in your mind? Can you imagine the disciples going, running out to the temple's precincts, grabbing hands, going, ready, guys, here we go. Let's stand and... People are like, and? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just, I'm here, I'm standing. That's what you do. That's your job. That's what many of you students do in school. That's what a lot of us do in our neighborhoods. Oh, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I'm standing on the rock of ages. Yeah, I'm here. I'm standing strong. What, what would y'all think if I were to prepare this message? And I have the manuscript, and I'll give it to you, and, and, and I would pray and fast and seek the will of God and pray and fast and seek God's heart and stand up here for 30 minutes, maybe a little longer, 30 or 40 minutes, and all I did was, was this. And y'all get tired of looking at this, right? You'd be going, okay, this is really awkward. And Terry, come on back up and sing. He's lost his mind. But that's what you do. And that's what I do if I leave these premises and I don't speak. My favorite professor I ever had in school said these words. If the apostles only lived good lives, there would be no book of Acts. Okay, let me go to the last point. The little couplet, amazed and surrender. And I'm standing on the rock of ages. All right, here we go. Amazed and surrendered. It was just 21 through 26. Can y'all bear with me for a few more minutes? Are you, are you going to starve? Are you? Okay, speak. Right, go, stand, speak. All right. Sanhedrin, they come together. The Senate, right? Supreme Court, Congress, the ruling aristocratic body. They gather together. And man, are they ever surprised to get the report that the very men that they had arrested the night before were no longer in custody. That's why I called this couplet, the first part of it, amazed. These people are amazed. They are shocked to think that you know, the, the very people we, these are our best. These are our finest. And, and we had them incarcerated and they're out. Now, here's, here's something I, I think. At that point, don't you think one of, the, one of the Sadducees, one of the Pharisees would go something like this. Okay, guys, come on. I mean, think about it. We never found his body, right? We killed him. He, he must be alive. Okay, stop right there. These people are willing to die for him, exhibit B, but exhibit C, what in the world happened to them? 
they were incarcerated. Now, come on, guys. Aren't y'all in agreement with me on this? A miracle of God has happened. Maybe they're telling the truth. Let's all in one accord bow down and give our lives to Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? It is not what they did. <laughs> in fact, they clamped down even harder. It's like this interview I heard this week from Dr. John Lennox. He's a retired mathematics professor at Oxford University. He got a master's and a PhD in math from Oxford. He got a master's and a PhD, another PhD in math from Cambridge. And now he's a professor emeritus of mathematics in Oxford. I heard his, heard his interview this week and I was just, I was just amazed. He, he's a believer in Christ. He said, when I was a doctoral student at Cambridge, there was a Nobel Peace Prize winner who came to our campus. I had dinner with him with many other students. And as I was eating dinner with him, I said, learned doctor, Nobel Prize winner, can I ask you a few questions? And the guy was like, well, absolutely, you know. And so he goes, what is the meaning of life? And the Nobel Prize winner said, excuse me? He said, yeah, where did we come from? He says, excuse me? He goes, yeah, like, I'm asking you the big existential, philosophical, theological questions of life. You're a Nobel Prize winner. Surely you have some answers for me. And the, and the learned man looked at Dr. John Lennox and he said, son, he said, I'll tell you what, let's don't talk about this in front of everybody, but I'm inviting you to come to my room after the dinner. And Dr. Lennox was like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Oh, it was a trap. It was a trap because once he got to the Nobel Prize winner's room, there were other people in the room, and there was a chair in the middle of the room. And they said, John, this is your chair. Sit in this chair. He said, okay. He's a little bit naive, and he said, yeah, what, what's happening? Are we going to talk about the deep things of God and the deep things of life? And the, he began with this question, son, do you want a career in science? And Dr. Lennox said, absolutely. And then the Nobel winner, and I wrote this down, a quote, I've got a quote here for you. It goes like this. Then you must give up your naive faith in God. If not, it will cripple you intellectually, and you will not make it. And Dr. Lennox said, I felt so alone, and I was sitting there in that chair, and my colleagues, my doctoral student friends were with me, and the Nobel Prize winner was looking at me. And I thought about, I wonder what he's going to do next. Will he go? Will he stand? And would he speak? And this is what he said. He said, okay, professor, what do you have to offer if you reject God? And he said, oh, well, we have macroevolution. We have neo-Darwinism, and we have eons of time, and we just have, you know, from the, you know, from the goo to the zoo to you. This is how we operate around here, and, and this is how this thing's going to go down. And, and he goes, I'll tell you what. John Lennox said this. He said, I'll tell you what. You go ahead with that. I'm going to stay with God. That's what he said. I'm going I'm to stay with God. You know, you may never be put in a situation like that. And in some ways, I hope you're not. But in some kind of strange way, what if you are? What if I am placed in a situation where we can speak or we can remain 
quiet. I, I really believe, though, in order to, to march into the realm of the amazement, then you have to be willing to trust God to do great things through you. Even though you may feel very outnumbered, you may feel like you're in way over your head, but it's amazing what we can do when the Holy Spirit is living within us. Verse 25, more amazement, more perplexity. Not only were the apostles out of jail, they're back in the temple and they're preaching. They're going, they're standing, they're speaking. Verse 26, the captain of the temple, he comes in and he tells the high priest, he goes, look, they, there they are. Let me go get them. He says, okay, go get them. And so when he goes to get them, instead of laying hands on them like he wanted to do and probably just bludgeon them, they did not do that. Does anybody know why they did not do that? Because the text tells us why. They wouldn't dare do that because all these people are listening. And if the temple priest or if the captain of the guard, if he goes in with his minions and they begin to treat roughly the Peter, James, and Paul, and I mean John and those guys, not Paul yet, it's coming, Acts 9, and if they begin to roughhouse them and lay hands on them, they were afraid that the very people in the congregation would stone them. So they're very gentle and they're very careful and they escort them out. And here's what's so amazing to me. One of the most amazing things in this whole passage of Scripture is what the disciples did not do. They could, and Peter, bless his soul, if anybody would have done this, this would have been Peter. He would have said, get your hands off of me. I'm a preacher of the gospel. Hey, people, y'all okay out there? Let's stone these idiots to death. He didn't do that, but he could have done that. And he could have been, you know, he could have been set free. But the Bible's very meticulous when it says, and they submitted and they surrendered to the authorities. And I just found that very interesting. That's why I entitled this whole part of my message, Amazement Followed by Serenity or Surrender. One writer put it this way, they were content to submit. Another writer, F.F. Bruce, who I love reading, says, thanks to the apostles' restraint, there was no breach of the peace. In other words, last thing I want to say, maybe the most, but it's not the most important, because when I got all excited out there with y'all preaching the gospel, that's the most important thing I'll ever do in my life. But here's something I want to share with you. Now, I, this is my words. I'm just going to read it. What about you and what about me? Are we content to submit and surrender to the will of God for our lives. It may not be what you envisioned. It may not be what you thought. But will you trust God and submit? Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you'd say, never have I done that. I've never in my proud self, submitted to anybody. And maybe that's why I've got such a difficult life. Maybe that's why people don't want to, they don't want to hang out with me. They don't want to get along with me because I'm so stubborn and I'm so proud. But today, this day, I submit myself to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want the Spirit of God to come into me and to save me. Listen, if that's you, then listen, listen to these words. The Bible says in Acts 3.19, Repent, therefore, and be converted so that your sins will be blotted out, so that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. I invite you today, if you've never 
If you never did what I did when I was 19 years of age and just submitted your life to Christ, and, and listen, you, you may be in the road that I was heading on. Are you with me? Does that make sense? You, you may be there. And you may be thinking, am I too far gone? Could God's grace save me? Because I am the adulterer. I am the drunk. I am the reprobate. I am that person that you were going to become. But even though I'm on this road, do you think God's grace would save me? Let me think about it. Yeah, I thought about it. Yes. His grace is sufficient. If you will believe and you will trust and you will say, God, take me as a broken woman that I am, the broken man that I am, and I give you my life, Jesus Christ, here I am, then watch what God will do. He'll do a miracle. He'll do amazing things. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, well, I've done that, Brother Danny, but I tell you, the message was for me. If it wasn't for anybody else, I'm telling you, this message about grit, determination, fortitude, perseverance, hang in there, toughness. I'm running out of words, but you get the idea. That's for me because I'm so easily tempted and I'm so easily swayed not to speak, not to go, not to stand. So thank you for preaching the Word of God because through this message, God has encouraged me. He's taken this plastic and He's put steel in its place. He's given me this fortitude and this determination. Praise God. Let me thank the Lord for us on, on, on your behalf. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Word of God preserved. Thank you that we get to believe it and preach it and surrender our wills to it. Thank you, God, that there are people here listening and there are people even online watching. God, I pray that you would speak to them and that they would surrender. And they would say, yes, Lord, be my Lord and King, and I invite you now. I repent, I believe, I trust in you. Jesus, do your miracle in me. Thank you, Lord. And others of us are here today. Let, let me just re recapitulate this. Let me rephrase it this way. God loves you. God has called you. God is for you. God wants to use you. It may not look like you thought it would look. It may not have turned out the way you have planned. But God is still in control, and will you submit to His will for your life? Lord, thank you that there's power and there's joy in surrender. And I'm just praying, Lord, this is a hard prayer because this is hard for some people to do. And I, I know it's hard for me to do, just to lay aside my pride, lay aside my plan, and just say, God, you're smarter than all of us combined, so just your will, God, be done. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that, God, you would work in people's lives today and that there would be people saved, Lord, and there would be people whose lives are altered for all eternity based on what they heard and what you said to them on this very morning. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And I invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song. We're going to have an invitation. We invite you to come. We invite you to pray. We invite you to... Surrender your life to the Lord, whatever your decision is. There will be people here to pray for you and encourage you, and we invite you to come.